fellow kids, and welcome to... Shoot. I didn't know I was going to throw you off so badly by drinking No, no, tea. no. I'm trying to figure out... 21? 22? We're about to record out of order again, so... Welcome back. Hey, how's it going? We're in the 20s. We're definitely in the 20s, and uh, welcome to 2020, speaking of which. Oh, yeah. It's November. It's, it's not even Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> Lift up the curtain there and reveal the truth. They're like, lies! <laughs> One star. <laughs> it's a rating! <laughs> Woo! <laughs> to start off the new year, we read an anthology. Ooh! Not only the first anthology we've read for the po- podcast, it's the first one I've read in quite a while. I know you read the Ghost Story one not too long ago, right? I read uh, anthologies all the time. Okay. I like, uh, it is kind of a gamble, because sometimes you're like, Okay, I'm not reading anything from that editor ever again because their taste is garbage. But <laughs> it introduces you to like new authors, and it's very hard to construct a short story. So when it's accomplished really well, you're just like, oh my god, this is like a masterpiece that they've done, and it's like 15 to 20 pages. Right. They nailed it. So that's why I like anthologies. And sometimes you get one that's full of duds, like today. <laughs> The book is called A Glory of Unicorns, compiled and edited by Bruce Koval. Um, I read a bunch of Bruce Koval's anthologies when I was younger, and I I don't think I immediately grasped the fact that he was only writing, like, one story in each collection. And uh-huh. I'd just be like, I'm a big fan of Bruce Koval, and I'd be like, I mean, he's fine, but I also, I think I just would like what he chose for the c- compilations. He did a lot of, like, stories about aliens and monsters yeah. and stuff like that, yeah. so this is... This was my first Bruce Koval. I mean, I remember him from when I was a child in the library and seeing that. Yeah. But I don't know. It just never appealed to me. I'd just be like, no, that looks like BS and like would walk along and just like, eh, not my thing. I liked serendipity books. (laughs) Those are different age groups. And you've been been rereading a bunch of those lately, haven't you? Yes, I have. Oh, I thought I was going to read you. It's relevant because it's unicorn. Yeah, there's uh, a unicorn. Actually, it doesn't even start as a unicorn. I'll explain. It's uh, <laughs> it's called Morgan Morning. I think it's on my shelf. Yeah, here it is. So it starts out with a little cult named Morgan, and he lives in this uh, cult, not cult, not like cult. Okay, he's a, he's a little horse. Okay, I thought there was just like a small group of people in robes. Like we're all Morgan. <laughs> it's in a cult named Morgan, and. Uh, he wanders away from his mom and falls down this waterfall and smashes down some rocks and breaks his leg. And anyone who knows horses just knows sh- that's just a death sentence. And the whole, everyone like sees him down at the bottom and they're like, there's nothing we can do. We can't get down there and we can't help him. So they all just leave him there. What does he say? Oh, she leaves. And then, and then he says, I love you, mother. And I understand. And then he's just laying there waiting to die. And uh, the morning star rises up in, uh, in the sky and is all like, who are you and why do you sleep on the cold sand? And he says, my name is Morgan. I'm here because I didn't listen to my mother and foolishly fell from the rocks. Now I'm waiting to die for no one can help me. With that, he began to cry and cry. And I was like, I hate this book. <laughs> but anyway, the morning star says he can be reborn as a unicorn and not have to die. He gets to live forever, but he doesn't get to see his mom ever again. So that's an allegory for death. Wow. Heavy. 
And then I was like, I hate this. And then I went to the uh, Goodreads page and there was a lot of people like, what the whole fuck was this story? <laughs> One star. Are, Jesus. Are the other serendipity books not like that? No. <laughs> I was like, I don't remember this. I'm positive I read that. I read like a lot of these. And I loved unicorns when I was little. I don't remember being traumatized by this. It's only when I read it as an adult where I'm like, holy crap. That was my, uh, that book and then this book for you. I was just like, maybe I don't like unicorns anymore. I still like unicorns. So this contains 11 stories and a poem. Um, I'm just telling you right now, I'm not covering the poem. We're not poem people. Nope. For real. We don't, we don't get it. It's okay (laughs) if you like poetry, like all the poetry you want. This is not the poetry podcast. I gave like individual ratings for each story and when i got to the poem i was just like i don't know enough about poems to know if this is bad or not so it's just getting a four and i'm moving on a four out of ten not a four out of five let me clarify i was because i was like it's not for it's not a bad rating for you (laughs) i was like it's not for me but i don't know if it's actually bad so i just put it as like it wasn't great okay What were your favorites in this? Like okay, your, I put, your top I put, three. I put stars next to the ones I hey, liked. Hey, look at that. So I liked uh, The Guardian, Guardian of Memory, which was by Bruce Koval. Mm-hmm. Uh, it takes place within his like unicorn universe story a book. And it felt very, this belongs to a bigger universe, but was still accessible because mm-hmm. I haven't read all of them. But it still felt like, I, I was, it still felt like um, I'm missing a little bit. I've, I feel like they're skimming over some stuff. I've never read his unicorn stuff, but reading yeah. this one made me want to read his unicorn stuff. So I think that was a good. I'll consider it. Okay. Um, I loved tearing down the unicorns. Okay. I think there's one more that I really liked, and then that's it. And I think it's the new girl. Yeah, the new girl by Sean Stewart. Well, we're gonna have some. We're gonna have some differing opinions here, in a good way. Okay. My three favorites were the Guardian of Memory. Mm-hmm. I thought Story Hour was pretty solid. I think it it had some it it had some room for improvement, but all things considered, it was pretty solid. We'll talk about it later, but it's entirely done through dialogue, mm-hmm. um, and I always like when they try to like switch it up a little bit with how they're presenting the story. Yeah, and then I thought the Healing Truth was pretty solid too. So well, all right, Are we ready to go? Yeah, let's get into it. I didn't hate any of those, so yeah, it won't it won't be bad. There was only one where I was like. <laughs> I regret that. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. Actually, there's like two of them I feel that way about. But anyway, okay. here we go. So first story in the collection, starting off strong before we kind of fizzle into this wet fart, uh, <laughs> <laughs> is uh, The Guardian of Memory by Bruce Koval. Here we go. So uh, Grimwald, an old dwarf and keeper of the Chronicles in the Land of Luster, is met in his home by a glory of unicorns. And... Uh, I just want to cover this really quick. There's like a really quick introduction that explains that a glory of unicorns just means a group of them, like a parliament of owls. A murder of crows. Murder of crows. Um, I've heard like a gossip of mermaids, and I really like that. That's because good. I love mermaids and I like talking shit. <laughs> <laughs> Those are my two favorite things. Okay, so wait, wait, wait. I don't know why you're talking like Yogi Bear. <laughs> I like to talk some shit. <laughs> Tell me what that bitch said. No, that sounds like I'm more like Bernie. <laughs> I want to know what that whore has been saying about me. <laughs> I did the Stephen Colbert, like, arm yeah. waving head. Okay. So anyway, the Gloria Unicorns shows up at his house. And they've come to take him to an important ceremony. The changing of the Guardian of Memory. It's okay that we don't know what that is. They'll explain it. 
they go to the meeting place, which is a fancy schmancy grotto with a waterfall, and it's not at the Playboy Mansion. And uh, Gris Griswold, uh, Grimwald, I call him Griswold several times in this, <laughs> so I'm just gonna <laughs> warn you that. Yeah, he's he's played by Chevy Chase. Anyway, Grimwald catches up with the Queen Unicorn, who's an old friend of his. Uh, they're waiting for all the unicorns to get there, and it takes a couple of days. I guess no one takes a plane. Um, one mayor, Cloud Mane, confronts Griswold and demands she become the next guardian. He's baffled because A, the job sucks, and B, this is a man's job. Cloud Mane's like, bitches say what, and storms away. Besides unicorns, a few humans are there, including a girl named Ivy. She wants to know what the deal is with this whole guardian thing, and uh, Grimwald, I have to keep correcting it because it says Griswold, I think, every time until I caught my mistake, like, several pages later. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Anyway, so Grimwald starts to explain, um, back in the day, unicorns lived on Earth, but they were getting hunted close to extinction. Uh, sick of it, they created a door to another world, called Lester, and went to live there. Everyone on Earth felt their passing, and things started to go to shit. People were unhappy, and they were becoming more violent. Basically, everything sucked. Uh, one little girl named Alma, the child of a storyteller, decided to get to the bottom of what was making the world suck so hard. Um, her brother Balin guarded her with his sword, and they traveled far to the house of Bellinmore. I hope I spelled that right. Um, a wizard. Uh, when asked about what's every what everyone's problem is, he's like, "Oh, there's no unicorns anymore. Sorry." Alma wants to bring them back, and he's all, "Sorry, can't." And tries to fob her off with a sack of gold and jewels. <laughs> She's not having it though. So Bellinmore takes out an amulet and gives it to Alma. It'll take her to Luster, but Balin can't come. Well, that's it for time. The ceremony's about to start. Ivy's like me at the end of every cliffhanger going, excuse me, sir, what the fuck is? But Grimwald points out that he's going to tell the whole story anyway to start the ceremony. Jeez, take a chill pill, Ivy. So <laughs> you can tell I like this story because it's really detailed notes. <laughs> <laughs> so the unicorns gather and Ivy goes to stand with the other humans. The queen says a few opening words. There's a song and <laughs> Grimwald is announced. It says Griswold every time. <laughs> I really want to make this happen. Thank you for coming to the Griswold family, changing of the Guardian of the Memory. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Grimwald is announced. Uh, sure enough, he begins telling the story that he started telling Ivy, but with more details for the unicorn audience, so the kid isn't super bored hearing the same shit so soon after she just heard it. Anyway, so Alma has adventures in Lester, and she saves a young unicorn who turns out to be the prince. As a thank you, the queen tells Alma to name her, her reward. Alma asks the unicorns to come home. The queen, of course, refuses, and Alma dissolves into tears, saying how Earth is Barf City without them. <laughs> so, <laughs> so the queen relents and allows one unicorn to go back. This guardian will serve as a memory of the unicorns and help keep the Earth in one piece. She volunteers her son as the first guardian to serve 25 years on Earth before getting to come home and be relieved by another, hence why we're all gathered here today. So, the ceremony continues, and a human named Madame Leonetti hangs a wreath on a unicorn's horn, and they all pass it down a line. Ivy and I are baffled, but Grimwald admonishes us to watch. And nothing happens. Everyone panics, and then Cloudmane busts through the crowd like, I will take the ring to Mordor! And they're all, <laughs> and they're all ew, you're a girl! And she's all, the magic wreath didn't pick you, bitch! So they put the wreath on her, and it lights up and opens a portal to Earth. The previous guardian comes through, and he's horrified that his replacement is Cloudmane, his girlfriend. She says she has to do this so they can have the same experience and fully understand one another, then she's gone. Everyone's confused how Omer was able to do this, and they all piece together that the spell calls for the unicorn with the deepest love for those left behind to be guardian. 
Cloud Mane felt left behind by her boyfriend, so she felt a deep empathy for the people on Earth who miss unicorns. Madame Leonetti gets it, because surprise, she's Alma of the story, and says she had to leave her brother behind, and then he in turn left her behind when he died years and years ago. And the end. <laughs> like, all the lore in this was fun. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So you know how in Harry Potter, it, like, there's, like, something that, like, senses whenever a magical child is born, yeah. so that McGonagall knows to send the letter for Hogwarts and all that. Do you think before they had that figured out, they had to do this thing with the wreath where they just brought every kid down and then put the sorting hat on? He's just like, no. 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 She's oh, wait. not squibs this year. What the hell? <laughs> no. Wait, sorry. That one was Hufflepuff. Yep. Yeah, yeah that, that happens a lot. <laughs> the Hufflepuff kids are like, Jesus. <laughs> Did you ever see that Tumblr post about um, Harry Potter? It was like, yeah, uh, Hogwarts splits up kids into four different things. Evil, brave, smart, and miscellaneous. (laughs) 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 Sorry if you're a Hufflepuff. Actually, no, I'm not sorry. You have a perfectly nice house. You don't need me to apologize to you. But you're absolutely right that the lore of this is really, really cool. Mm Because... I hadn't read a whole lot of stuff that had unicorns because I was reading stuff that was more gendered towards guys when I, I was, was younger. I was, was going to say butch. <clears throat> um, <laughs> he, he makes us like, yeah, okay, <laughs> fair. <kinda look. laughs> um, so I liked bringing this in and just starting off with like, unicorns aren't just, they're not just the, the, the imagery that you have from like. The ethereal figure out in the field that you see and go, oh, a unicorn, and it gallops away and you're changed forever. It's like, right. no, we have like a whole society. Yeah. And we're people of yeah. our, uh, ourselves. And one of the running themes in these stories is how unicorns are kind of tied to this portion of the human spirit, kind of on, in terms of like their hope and things like that. And mm-hmm. and they there's a correlation between them that I think this really... Help set up for like that might be why I don't like so many of the other stories because the unicorn's just kind of there as a foil for the people I, rather than having their own story like this one. I wrote in one of the last stories. I was like, this contains three. Yeah, so there are three kinds of stories in here. Ones about unicorns, ones that use unicorns, and ones that feature unicorns. Yeah, and so when there were ones that was just like the unicorn was just kind of there as, like you said, a foil, just as a way for something else to happen Uh and not actually really tying into what it means to have a unicorn in your story. I was like, yeah. So the fact that we started off with this kind of like setting the tone for like, this is what a unicorn story can be. mm -hmm. These are the things that they can bring to the table. It's a weird one to start with because it just is so different from all the others. But I don't know if you... Then where else would you put it? Exactly. If you put it... (laughs) Because then it would be like, wow, that was really different from all the others. The same thing. So I guess... At the start, when you don't have any expectations. It was, like, too much modern-day kids encountering unicorns. I was getting sick of it. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, but uh, we're not there yet. Yeah, I I wrote, I like that this story gets me to take unicorns seriously uh, without altering their traditional images too much. Good work, Bruce. So. Yeah, I really enjoyed this story. I like when, uh, is this the tale that Griswold is telling? Grimwald. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) I... Gloom enfolded the world, blah, blah, blah. And then it says, and finally a child. It's always a child, you know. Decided something had to be done. Mm-hmm. And I like that little. Yeah. Well, he's <laughs> not wrong. Right? <laughs> like, oh, like, was she orphaned? Yes, she was. <laughs> That's what we thought. <laughs> uh, so Alma's talking about when she goes to speak to the Unicorn Queen. Uh-huh. And she says, 
Hearts grow hard and weary, pain spreads and joy diminishes. Those who hate you hate you still, but those who loved you or would have loved you or wanted to love you but never had the chance are being scraped hollow by a loss they don't understand. Um, I liked that turn of phrase, the scraped hollow. This also reminded me of the Buffy comics, uh, season, like, eight, I think. Okay. Or maybe it was that. I don't know. It's, uh... Well, the comics are... Because they, they take the... They take magic out of the world. Right. Like, like that's how Buffy saved the, the world one time. I was like, okay, well, magic's just gone. But without magic, like, new songs weren't really being written. And just everybody just kind of felt... Cra- it was just like this. Like, everybody right. just felt kind of crappy. And it's like, well, we need... Turns out we do need magic. It's kind of like the whole, like... Better to have loved and lost than never have loved at all. Yeah. You know, you can you can take it away so you don't have the pain, but then you don't have the... The good stuff, too. Yeah. And then at the end when um, she decides that she's going to go through, or the old woman, Alma, is like, uh, it's been a rich life, child, but it is lonely to leave, to be left. It's lonely, but it's what we do. Just the, you know, sometimes things have to be done. This has the emotional deepness also of The Last Unicorn, if you have ever read that which you should if you haven't i've not you should okay yeah because if you like this you'll like the last unicorn is very similar okay but yeah i mean that's about all i have for okay little bits on it it's i like i said it's definitely one of the stronger ones in the book yes um so at that point i was like cool i'll read 200 pages about unicorns Uh uh-huh yeah (laughs) just right after that just (laughs) well i liked the second story i actually listed it as one of my favorites Okay, so here we go. So the second story is Tearing Down the Unicorns by Jannie Lee Simner. Stacy's sister Karen, in a fit of teenage bitchiness, is tearing down her unicorn posters. She calls them fake and declares that she no longer believes in unicorns. She's growing up, frequently ditching her little sister. Soon she'll be asking to speak to a manager. Because <laughs> her name's Karen. Um, Stacy's horrified by this development and does her best to salvage what she can of the posters. She hates seeing her sister suddenly turn her back on what had once meant so much to her. It's more an attempt to preserve the sister she once knew rather than any sentimentality on her part towards unicorns. She's never believed in them herself. Um, Later that night, while Karen and their dad argue about boys, Stacy spots a fiery unicorn on the patio. She climbs out the window to go see the amazing creature and touches it, burning her hand. Then the unicorn goes running through the yard in a kind of dance. When Stacy tries to join the dance, the unicorn blocks her. This pisses Stacy off after a few more attempts to join are thwarted, so she starts running around in her own dance. The unicorn watches in approval and then rears back and roars before disappearing in a flash. Karen calls out to Stacy and helps her back through the window into the house. The girls talk and Karen reveals that she cares about Stacy very much, but she needs her own space once in a while. Stacy thinks about the unicorn encouraging to go her own way, then suddenly understands Karen's viewpoint. Stacy looks at what remains of the posters and realizes Karen was right, they're fake. Compared to the real unicorn, they're insipid and tame. After checking with Karen that she really doesn't want them anymore, Stacy starts tearing down the posters herself. I just, I just liked it as like a symbol of like independence and mm-hmm. finding your own way. You can go your own way, go your own way. <laughs> yeah, i i didn't I didn't dislike this one. Um, I definitely. I liked what it was going for. I liked the message that it was bringing. There was something about the execution that I thought fell a bit flat. But, um, but I don't have enough notes to really pinpoint what about that it was. But I, I, what you said, I liked the this way of kind of realizing. I really like what she says about the, you know, 
the posters are real. That or the posters aren't real. That doesn't mean unicorns aren't real. Right. Um, I really I liked that a lot. Um, yeah. I don't know. Um, it's okay if we can move on. <laughs> <laughs> I I just feel like we spent so long on the first one and then because there was more to unpack. Yeah. And this one's more simple. Yeah. I mean, it's okay. We don't all have to write a thesis about every single one of them. Because some of them aren't that deep. <laughs> Speaking of which. Oh, the next one. Okay, this is where it's a piece of garbage. <laughs> um, I'm just going to say up front that I dislike Gregory Maguire's writing. I've never liked it. I've read quite a few of his books. Still don't I, like his I've writing. I've seen that. I, I've seen that you have read several of them. I've never read anything. I saw Wicked, which I liked, but I think that oh, Wicked. that that's completely divorced. Right, that's exactly, right. exactly. That's, that's like <laughs> the further you move away from him, the better yes, it gets. Yes. Um, yeah, because like I read this, didn't like it. Don't have any personal com- personal connection to the Wizard of Oz, but I Wicked itself is very strong, regardless. Like the the production of yes. it is really really good. Oh my really god, good. it's beautiful. I um, got to see it on Broadway for real seats. I I I only saw it in Seattle, but it's still really good. It's still good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no worries. I'm not. I'm not judging. Saying like, well, you didn't really see it because I didn't really see it with like um, Adina Menzel and uh, Kristen Chenoweth in the roles. So. I saw my Broadway show was Hedwig and the Angry Inch with Neil Patrick Harris. That's my Broadway show. I remember enjoying that film. I, I got really, an angry inch. Yeah, I really <laughs> liked it. it. I mean, he's really. Everybody was really strong in it. Um, and the, did he play Hedwig? Mm-hmm. We'd have to. Yeah, <laughs> that's um, the main role. Yeah, he's not gonna just be. And I was like, I was like tenth row, so like I actually got to, like, see it. I saw the angry inch. <laughs> it was furious. <laughs> okay. It just ready? had little mad eyebrows on its underwear. <laughs> it just made that sound the whole show. Like, this is scary. <laughs> Why I is there a mic? To- oh, okay. <laughs> okay. On that note, let's get back to Gregory Gregory Maguire. Um, his story beyond the fringe. Somewhere beyond, beyond the fringe. <laughs> if only. Okay, so a little boy named Cor, which made me think of the horse and his boy, because that's what the boy's name is in that story. So a little boy named Cor, his father, Ox, I kept messing up and putting a Q instead of an O, so I kind of had to look at that for a bit, like, how do I say that? <laughs> it's like, Ox. <laughs> you know, like the cable? <laughs> Yeah, the auxiliary cord. O X I L L O R Y. Auxiliary. <laughs> <laughs> Ding! You spelled it wrong. Okay. Anyway, so uh, Cor, Ox, and his Graham are holed up in their attic. Masked invaders are sacking their small village. Uh, their attacks that began three years ago with the murder of Cor's mother and the sheep she was tending. As they wait out the attacks, Graham tells Cor all about the time she saw a unicorn back when she was a girl. And she trimmed its mane. I spelled mane wrong. M-A-I-N? Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's out of character for you. I didn't like the story. <laughs> <laughs> it it made me dumber. Of, what do you mean out of character for me? I put Griswold all through <laughs> that one story. Okay, anyway, she trimmed its mane and got its hair. Anyway, as she tells her story, she's putting the finishing touches on a carpet she's been working on. Uh, the design being a unicorn in the hills. Ox is anxious that their house will be attacked, and he hates that the storytelling is happening, repeatedly interrupting to berate Graham for her flights of fancy. Dude, it's called escapism. Shut up. Down below, the invaders start hacking down their door. 
Ox prepares for battle and orders Kor into position. But Grams finished the carpet and tosses it down, telling Kor and Ox to get on it. Kor does and has to tug his dad onto it as well. When the invaders break into the attic, the carpet sails out the window and flies over the village. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's so this this story is as long in terms of page count as tearing down the unicorns, but nothing happens. Mm-mm. Like, I... She, she sees a unicorn when she's young. She cuts off its mane. She keeps its fur forever, weaves it into this rug that gives its gives it magical properties, and is able to save her family. I was a, I was assuming that there was some sort of like Holocaust parallel with them like hiding in the attic while these raids were going on, but then not a whole lot more. Nothing happened interesting with that. happened with that. The thing with short stories is you really need to tie everything together. So like it, that's what makes it feel complete and good. And he doesn't do that. On page four of this, of fourteen of them, I wrote bored now. That's what most of his writing is like. It's, I can't stand his writing. And he cannot write a likable character. Like, you do not root for anybody. It's hard to read. Why have you subjected yourself to so many of them? Because he he writes about fairy tales. And it's like, well, maybe this one will be good. And that's why I keep subject- subjecting myself to it, as you say. Because I keep hoping things will like, turn around. The fairy tale is interesting, so maybe he'll do something with it yeah. because it has a strong starting point. And, and then, then he does no. it. It's, it's just all this potential that's just squandered. And he, he's just, I just don't find him talented. So I find that interesting. <sighs> that So you don't like, you've read the ones where he's interpreting other people's stories and you don't like it. And then you read one where he's trying to write his own story and, and you don't, don't like it. it so. Which tells me that he's not a good author. Yeah. Um, no, I read the book Lost, and that wasn't really, uh, that wasn't really an interpretation of anything. Okay. I barely remember what it was about. I just remember thinking, boy, I hate this. <laughs> yeah, the only things I wrote were, uh, Holocaust Parallel, Bored Now, and then at the very end, Boo. Yeah, I just, it was, <sighs> don't, I didn't like it. It was dumb. All right, let's move on. Ooh, boy, I didn't like this one either. Um, Stealing Dreams by Ruth O'Neill. Which one was this? Oh, okay. <laughs> um, a kid named Michael has magical wallpaper. It's a forest scene, and he watches the animals move. One time a rabbit even came out of the wallpaper, but hopped right back in. Um, eventually, Michael gets older and outgrows the wallpaper. He never sees anything move on it now anyway. He and his mom go shopping, and they pick out wallpaper of an underwater coral reef scene. What is there going to do with wallpaper? Why don't you just paint your wall? Like... <laughs> Wallpaper is, like, the most difficult thing in the world to hang because you can mess it up so easily and you have to make sure all the lines line up. And it just sounds like more effort than it's really worth. I always think of Especially wallpaper. for a kid's bedroom who's going to, like, outgrow crap. Like, Yeah, I always think of wallpaper as, like, an old thing. Like, my house has never had any wallpaper. Um, the only wallpaper that I ever recall seeing is at my grandma's house because they did the house in, like the 70s and have just oh, kept no. it up yeah um <laughs> That's but they but they didn't do 70s style stuff they went for like classical yeah so okay. like it's it's aged all right but like yeah i don't know anybody who uses wallpaper so i was just like was this really intricate wallpaper of like a forest scene or yeah uh so already not relating to it yeah um, like anyway. nowadays if, if you want to do that you just like paint a mural you for just the paint kid. a mural which I guess is more work, but wallpaper sucks. Yeah, and the mural's more personal. Right. Anyway, they pick out more wallpaper of an underwater coral reef scene, which I think still is pretty lame, but uh, they begin the process of stripping the paper. 
uh, one night, a unicorn shows up in the uh, forest wallpaper that's still there, and Michael offers it sugar. It comes out of the wall to eat it and then goes back. It shows up a few more nights, and Michael touches its horn. When he does, he ends up having really awesome, vivid dreams. Um, at school, Michael researches unicorns and finds out you can catch one with a golden bridle. Put a pin in that. When he gets home, he's gotten an early birthday present from his dad. First, it's an explanatory video telling him he can't be there with him and has no money. So you can imagine what kind of stress I'm under. <laughs> <laughs> the real present is a flint and stone that has been in the family for years and kind of plays an important role in the story. Eh. The important thing is Michael's father has blonde hair that looks gold in the light. Michael has the same color hair, so he's inspired to pull out some strands of his rat tail. Gross. And weave them together into a lasso. Uh, does anybody does anybody listening to this know what rat tail is? Good God. I remember okay, a couple it... of kids having those. When yeah, I was... they're nasty. This is like, this is probably the most dated of the stories. Yes. Wallpaper and rat tails. Rat tails. So if anyone doesn't know what a rat tail is, yeah. you keep, it's primarily for guys, and you'd keep all of your hair relatively short, within like an inch or two, but then like towards the, like the nape of your neck, you would just have that section grow very long by itself. And it looked less bad if you braided it or something. Right, because otherwise it's just, it's just it's this. It's just, like, it just looks messy. <laughs> yeah. And, gr- and I was just like, oh, rat tails. And I heard this, like, gross. And it's just thrown in there like a, you know, kids have I rat tails. I remember boys having them. They'd have all their short hair and then, like, this weird long curly bit. And it's like, who, who told anyone that was a good idea? Like, that looks really good. I just, like, I roll your eyes. <laughs> I just love the fact that it's thrown in here, like, you know, like people have. Because like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. that'll last forever. Ugh, God, that's a thing I'm so glad it's not a thing anymore. Uh, let's hope that never comes back. Anyway, uh, he pulls out strands of his rat tail and weaves them together into a lasso. Uh, when the unicorn shows up for his nightly sugar fix, Michael uses his nasty hair to trap the unicorn outside of the wallpaper. He leaves the unicorn Spike, uh, and decides to keep him in the backyard. He keeps having wicked awesome dreams, but these also come with a sad one of a little elf girl crying and calling out for dreams. <laughs> Around this time, Michael loses his stupid flint and stone and panics trying to find it. Turns out some stupid girl at his school found it, and she refuses to give it back until her friend is like, dude, seriously? This event somehow makes Michael realize that he's essentially stolen the unicorn and decides to send dreams back. But his mom's finished the wallpaper job, and all the paper's long gone. But she's got a scrap of it in his baby book. That's such a mom thing. Right. (laughs) (laughs) My mom has, in my baby book, my very first scribbling with crayon. It's like on the edge of a newspaper, and I was like, you didn't need to keep this. not anything interesting i guess she was just excited because like she gripped the thing and knew how to do that that was pretty wee it's like oh my god she's doing people things (laughs) yeah she's a people just a really (laughs) tiny one okay anyway uh dreams can't get through the scrap until michael bleeds on it after dreams breaks off a bit of his horn into michael's hand i was confused in most of this once Dreams is through, the paper burns up. Then Michael thinks what new things he'll see in his wallpaper. Yeah, he'll probably steal a mermaid next and sexually assault her. Think I'm wrong? I read the sequel. No. <laughs> There's no sequel. There's no sequel. As far as I know. Alright, point one. Who is too old for a forest scene, but not too old for a coral reef Thank scene? Thank you! Thank you! I don't think that's a step up. I think you're still getting wallpaper. I still think it's lame. 
Like, if we're gonna be this weird and dated, why not, like, the weird, um, like, space stuff? Because then, when he's a little bit older and getting high and then staring off this way, like, whoa, dude, I can see Mars! You know, like, that kind of, it's, oh, god. Anyway, what are your other points? I thought you had more. Uh, I do. Did you also remark on the rat tail? Oh, you bet I did. <laughs> All caps, oh, the 90s! <laughs> When he gets the flint and steel as his, like, present, I was just like, oh boy, too bad they invented matches hundreds of years ago. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. I know, what crappy present. And then, like, we're sending a weird tape. Like, sp- right, it's like, this is, like, new cool technology. And you're like, ugh. <laughs> no, this is so, you're right, this is the most dated one of all of them. Another reason why it's dated is I don't think nowadays you'd be able to bring a flint and steel to school and just no. have everyone try it out at recess. No, you can't. <laughs> oh my god, he'd be expelled. Yeah, you can't do that. No, no, no. <laughs> Actually, this reminds me of a story I read about Ryan Gosling that when he was a kid, he'd seen a lot of Rambo, and then he brought a suitcase of knives to school and started throwing it at other students, and because this was before all the other stuff, he wasn't immediately expelled and, like, labeled a crazy person. He still had to, like, I mean, go to therapy. Okay. But, <laughs> yeah. Ryan Gosling did that. And then he got abducted <laughs> by aliens. Did he? On SNL. Oh, right. <laughs> I like that one. Yeah. It's very good. What's her name? Kate McKinnon. Kate McKinnon. She is very funny. <laughs> These fancy cats are talking to God over here. Meanwhile, I got my coot coot, my, my prune shit hanging out. <laughs> oh, were they uh, maybe taking genetic samples? No, nah, this felt real off the books. <laughs> I don't think we're dealing with the top brass here. <laughs> I love we're not dealing with top brass. I landed on the roof of a Wong John Silver's and my slacks land in a tree. <laughs> Miss Rafferty. I love Miss Rafferty so much. She's done, there's been other Yeah, there's sketches. been like eight of them. And it's just like, how... How does she get her pants off? And how many ways can we say, like... VJ and B-hole. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I watched them all back to back and I was like, this is dumb, they're all the same. But then every every time there's one thing, I was like, alright, I'm using that now. <laughs> I love the near-death experience one where the angel came like, my angel showed up said, my name's Keith, and pulled me out. <laughs> now, I felt like Keith was learning on the job. <laughs> he took me to dog heaven. <laughs> and then the angel covered me in light. What? Yeah, uh, same idea, different execution. <laughs> okay, I can tell we didn't like this book because we're talking at length about something else. The unicorn's real name is Dreams. That's why I had to say it in that lame way. Poor little girl. I got real sassy during some of this. (laughs) I'm glad we both disliked this one. I was like, I'm going to feel awkward if this is Josh's favorite. And he's all like, I had forest wallpaper. I really relate to this story. I had a rat tail. I did not have a rat tail. I had a mullet. Oh, me too. I had a mullet until I was like six or seven, and then I had the same like short spike hairstyle until high school. I had a bowl cut, and then I had a mullet. (laughs) 
kind of hate my mother for it. That's why I have such long hair now, because this is the hair I've wanted my whole freaking life. <laughs> so I was like, I'm having hair with no bangs, and that's what I want. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know what happened to me <laughs> during this. <laughs> He's like, dreams, I felt something. Is there something I could do to make it work? Anything? And I just read that. <laughs> Cry, pussy. And then at the, <laughs> the bottom of the page, I I just didn't get it. Um, And then at the end, this it says, uh, Michael pulled the flint and steel from his pocket and tucked the piece of alicorn into the secret compartment. That's the horn. Yeah. Uh, he went inside wondering what he might see in his new wallpaper and whether Emily Tanner believed in unicorns. I was like, oh, don't do it. Don't do it. Oh, don't do it. <laughs> don't don't go asking her. Don't go asking her things. And then there was a poem. Yeah, and, uh, the dream child. In, instead of talking about the poem, uh, I just want to point out that I drew this bug-eyed unicorn. <laughs> I am majesty. <laughs> I am perfection. <laughs> I'm almost like, no. <laughs> okay, are we ready to move on to the worst story in this whole collection? The ugly unicorn? It just... It's, are we ready? Got strap in. This is the worst story. <laughs> click, click. This is the worst story I've ever, I know. <laughs> yes, roller coaster's just going to throw you off into the ground and you'll just die. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Spoiler. Get the they go straight down and then just crashes into the cement. That's the end. Yeah. Like, like, uh, like that one, um, there's like a couple of movies where people die on a roller coaster. There's one of the, um. Why can't I remember what this stupid series is called? It's like Final called? Destination? That's it, yeah. Okay. My, my brain kept going, Grateful Dead. I'm like, that's not what the series <laughs> is called. <laughs> Have you seen that new Grateful Dead movie where everyone gets their heads chopped off? They were like, oh, thank God, because they had to read this horrible story. <laughs> like, boy, I wish someone chopped my head off so I don't have to read this. All right. All right, here we go. The Ugly Unicorn by Jessica Amanda Salmonson. That name deserved that, okay? Well, if your name's it's, it's, Jessica, it's, it's, you can't have your middle name be Amanda. Salmonson. 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 <laughs> Salmonson. She gave us salmonella from this terrible story. What are the symptoms of that? Um, having curly hair and, uh... Oh, don't do this to me! <laughs> <laughs> and enjoying Neil Schusterman and, like, uh, a fear of driving. <laughs> I am my mother's daughter. I've had salmonella my whole life. Well, I've had Lyme disease. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here we go. Uh, we've avoided it long enough. Here's the ugly unicorn. Oh, and she is, let's say it's place in China, and she is qualified enough to write about Asian influences because her, her uh, stepmother was Asian. That's what it said. Does it in, say that in the back? Yes. Or? Mm-hmm. Dude, I didn't read it. Go ahead that. and look at it. Yeah, I read it because right. I was like, who is this jerk? And then like I read it and I was just like, are you kidding me? Bruce Colgan, Catherine Lager, Gamagarge. Jessica Amanda Sammonson has published a half dozen novels and a gazillion short stories, which have garnered her the World Fantasy Award and Lambda Award, ReaderCon Award, and numerous appearances in years best, an best anthologies. Jessica's stepmother was a Buddhist priestess raised in a monastery in Thailand, which probably helps account for how many of Jessica's stories and novels have an Asian influence. She lives in Seattle. Doesn't necessarily say she's Asian, though. But that's her qualification, I guess, for writing this. Okay, you ready for us to unpack Knock this? It, yeah. <laughs> Here we go. Actually, I'm gonna read you the first fucking line. Or, <laughs> I read it out loud to a friend of ours, and he went off for like five minutes about how horrible 
Okay, here we go. In a garden in China, 1,000 years ago, there was a maiden whose eyes were so pretty, it was difficult to believe she was blind. So we start off with ableism, which is fun. I don't even know what she was going for with that line. I don't know either. What, that it didn't look clouded or whatever? Like, Like, yeah, I was like... I've never really looked into blind people's eyes. I don't think they look... I think they just look like eyes. I think they mostly wear sunglasses, because... I, get, I think it's, like, disconcerting for people to see them, like, so you don't think they're staring at you. It's like, why are they staring? He's like, they're just looking in one direction. Right. And they're not, they're literally not yeah. seeing anything. Um, there's a guy on YouTube who's blind, and he talks, uh, like, he basically answers all the questions that people have about being blind. Like, how yeah. do you do this when you're blind? And how do you do this? And, like, why, you know, why do you wear the sunglasses and stuff? Depending on the blindness, I don't know if your, like, muscles are even strong enough that, like, your eyes would even be open, because, like, they don't really need to be. Because they're not taking in, so I don't even or, know. Or if... uh, maybe they don't want you looking directly into the sun or something. Because maybe you won't. Wouldn't it still cause damage or something? But you wouldn't. I don't know. I'm sorry. There, I really don't know. And there are different reasons for blindness. If it's injury right. versus uh, and different levels of blindness. Yes, yeah. you can still be. You, it's like blurry, but it's not like just you know, who turned off the lights, and if the health insurance people don't help my brother more, he will be blind. So that's yeah. something scary to have to... So I think I also came in with that personal feeling of my brother's real problems with his eyesight and just made me furious. Right. So here we go. A tale of ancient China. A blind girl befriends a unicorn in her garden one day. She assumes it's a beautiful traditional horse-like unicorn, and it lets her think that. He's really a different variety of unicorn called a lumu that looks more like a goat. In, in the illustration, the drawing is very different. So I was like, "Is she stupid? Like, wouldn't she feel the, the horn going? This isn't really what I imagined. Like, this is kind of weird because she's blind, but she'd have a sense of touch." No, when you're blind, you can't because you've never seen a shape. You can't feel a shape. I guess. <laughs> um, the girl's engaged to be wed to a local general's grandson, and the general hates the match because the girl's blind. Her uncle knows the general's unhappy, so he visits a witch to see if she can cure the girl's blindness. Turns out, she totally can. The horn of a lumu can cure blindness. Uh, she gives the general two poison candies for the girl to feed the lumu. When it's dead, cut off the horn and cure that blindness. And I was like, two pieces? You know where this is going to lead, right? <laughs> so, one day the lumu takes the girl to the Vale of Unicorns so she can smell all the flowers that grow there. Usually the veil blinds humans with its brilliance, but she's already blind, so no worries there. Worries come into play when the other varieties of unicorns are introduced to the girl. For some reason, she has to keep yelling that he's the lovely Poe, and it makes everyone laugh, but they humor him and play along, even the real Poe who claims to be a leopard unicorn. I don't understand her obsession with beauty that she's always bringing up, like, you're the beautiful unicorn. He goes, well, what if I wasn't? She's like, ha ha, now you're beautiful. You know? Right. <laughs> so I was just like, why do you, why do you care? You can't see anything anyway. Just, he's nice to you. So, and, and like, thinks of, like, nice things for you to do to, like, go, like, takes you to this nice place so you can experience flowers and stuff. I just was like, why doesn't she shut up about this? <laughs> she's really irritating. <laughs> okay, anyway, when they go home, the girl gives him the poison candy and she eats one too. They both become very ill, and we find out the Lumu is actually the general's grandson, the girl's betrothed. He's too sick to change back to his human form, so his secret is out. But I think more people knew, and then 
I just, I just thought it was an annoying reveal. Like, oh, by the way, right? Like, <laughs> it was. This wasn't skillfully done. Is my point. Um, the real Poe gets the girl and the Lumu and takes them to Fairyland to the Queen. The Lumu recognizes the Queen as his mother who'd left years ago, which we just find out is like what happened. Oh, God, it was so poorly done. It makes me so angry. Okay. Uh, she cures them of poisoning and everyone finds out who everyone else is. So the boy and girl marry and the fairy queen gives them hella gifts to start their lives together independently of their families. <sighs> the end. A lot of myths and folk tales do that where they just kind of like have sudden things, but there's a certain, there's a certain poetry to it and an expectation of, this you, was... you don't, you don't just be like, I, that's how they do it so i'm gonna do that and not really it think about like why that. and yeah they don't like, think it'd be like it was clunkily done yeah i was like what we never established his mother was gone and suddenly she is like what the what the, yeah. the he double hockey yeah. sticks so it starts with the that line and says year after year dukeling wished that uh Kwawe would die in order that his favorite grandson needn't be burdened with a blind wife and i'm just like holy f yeah wow it's dark which i'm going to say that there are some cultural things that are part of that that we're kind of coming to with uh our western sensibilities yeah Another thing is when you're doing this like old folk tale sort of thing, one of the techniques is you don't have a lot of like actual dialogue. You just kind of say like, and then so-and-so went to such and such yeah. and, and told them this. You don't have the dialogue. So when they were speaking in dialogue and it was every bit as clunky as everything else, it really took me out of it. Yeah. It was like, you don't quite get how a fairy folk- tale works. Yeah. Yeah. Like, the reveals about, like, the mother and stuff yeah. wouldn't have felt so if, yeah. it, if it had all been framed as a folk story, like, more of it. And then she breaks the fourth wall Ugh. and goes, goodness, what a strange story. Does anyone know what is likely to happen next? Like, get out of here. I'm not five. Don't, oh, God. Have I ever told the story on the podcast? When I was in middle school, the um, drama club put on a production of The Wizard of Oz. Okay. And uh, during intermission, while they're changing the sets and stuff, the Wicked Witch of the West and two of the Flying Monkeys came out to like, kind of like talk to us and entertain us okay. <laughs> while it's going on. And uh, this would have been great if we were, like I said, if we were five, right. but we were all 13, 14. Okay. And w- the Wicked Witch is all, ha, I'm going to get Dorothy. Do you guys want me to get Dorothy? And we're all supposed to be like, no, you know, but we're like, again, we're not five. Right. So we're just all kind of like, oh, this is awful. And this dude in the back goes, don't talk to me. (laughs) (laughs) And I look around and my teacher has this kid by the arm and she's all red faced and hauling him out into the hallway. (laughs) I laughed the whole rest of the play about this happening. I'm surprised more of the kids didn't go, yeah, get her. Yeah. I think most of us mumbled, I don't give a shit. Like, right. like, we were just all like, stop it. But he just spoke for everyone when he said, don't talk to me. So that's how I feel about clunky fourth wall breakers as well. Like, don't, don't talk to me. We're not friends. I'm not five. <laughs> Go away. <laughs> this has nothing to do with your story, but I just remembered on the bus there was this high school kid who was like, yeah, I almost got arrested a few times. And the girl next to him was like, for what? And this kid has, like, he's got glasses and, like, those kind of sideburns where you're not growing sideburns. It's just you haven't shaved them. So they're just, like, and he's, like, uh, you know, shoplifting, smoking weed, vaping. Vaping! 
Oh my god. I'm like, oh my sweet summer child. <laughs> It'd be so cruel, but whenever I see something like that, I want to go like, you are so embarrassing and lame. I'm sorry. <laughs> She's going to go to her friends and laugh at you later. Do you realize that? Shave your sideburns, it looks bad. <laughs> and then this kid's devastated the rest of his life because some mean fat lady on the bus was... <laughs> She came for his whole life. <laughs> okay, are we ready to move on? Story hour. All right, story hour. That you really liked. I thought it was just. Ah. I didn't really like it. I okay. Li- I, you listed it in your three favorites, sir. There wasn't a whole lot to choose from. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because it's true. Okay, story hour by Catherine Koval. An old author's on her deathbed telling her little granddaughter, Brooke, these names. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So her granddaughter, Brooke, her life story, while framing it as a fairy tale. Uh, When the author was young, uh, called from this point onward Elizabeth, she became very ill and nearly died. In her time of need, her soul called out for help and a unicorn came. Elizabeth was cured and the unicorn stayed with her until she didn't need it anymore as she was being teased for claiming to see one. I probably would have teased her too. Um, <laughs> Elizabeth grew up and married a struggling musician who eventually died. God, what a cheery story to tell your grandchild. Um, she ended up back where she started, her soul calling for help, and the unicorn came. They had great times together and had a big feast at the masked enchantress's house, who turned out to be in cahoots with the Goblin King, who sadly isn't David Bowie. He <laughs> the power of unicorns. He wants the unicorn's power. Uh, to enter the heart of any human and take over the world or something. But that doesn't work because Elizabeth claims she made the unicorn up. He disappears and then Elizabeth surrenders herself to the not Bowie Goblin King to take her soul. But when he looks into her eyes, he's blinded by the light of the unicorn who resides now in Elizabeth's heart. Elizabeth escapes, but the Goblin King vows to keep keep tabs on her, waiting for his chance to get the unicorn. Now the old lady has her granddaughter look into her eyes, and she's part of the Unicorn Telepathy Club, where they can can all speak with their hearts and keep the Goblin King out of the loop. Once the old lady passes, Brooke will be the keeper of the unicorn. Um, This was just too, this was too, like, the monster is the swamp is the, for me, so I'm just like, I don't get it, alright. Before we even talk about the story, we haven't mentioned that each... Like, each section begins with a full-page drawing. The drawings are beautiful. They are, and I wonder I wonder if they were, like, color and they just reprinted them in black and white or something like that, because some I of them get a little the bit... Yeah, some of them get a little muddled because of the page. Like, I can tell yeah. that they are very good illustrations, but they are. it's, like, low-quality paper, so it yeah. diminishes it. A little. Um, but I do I do like these drawings, and the cover is very lovely, too. That's mm-hmm. why I wanted to read it. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's no story where like a girl rides an army of unicorns, so that's kind of disappointing. Because I was like, oh, this girl looks bitching. She's maybe they get some stuff maybe done. they gender swapped the unicorns of Kabistan. I didn't like that one. Me either. Cool. We'll get to that soon. <laughs> um, so this so like I said, this one is all dialogue, but there are these parenthetical sections, and at the start, it's just the grandma thinking, and like the girl can't hear her yet. Yeah. So it's just these little asides. <laughs> I just wrote. I didn't know he was going to be doing bear jokes. <laughs> it was very gaffigan to be at the start. I, I, was, I was very gaffigan reading this, like, is this supposed to make sense? I'm not getting it. Um, Am I stupid? Or is the author stupid? The author's not stupid. No. 
And it comes together more. It comes together, yeah. You know, it but it, it, still it was... doesn't necessarily work for everybody, but at least it, really. you can tell that there was a plan there. There was, <laughs> um, yes. It didn't feel like I pulled it out of my ass. Yeah. Ah, like the, uh, like the China one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I'm not talking about that anymore. Moving on. <laughs> at one point, the girl's like, uh, they're talking about, like, love, and she's like, do you mean, like, boyfriends? I would never want a boyfriend, Grandma. Not if I had a unicorn. I just wrote that video from the little girl, and she's like... I like Netflix and birds. Yes. <laughs> so basically, yeah, it's 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 just kind of the power of belief is kind of the whole thing here is just the idea that like yeah, say what you got to say to humor everyone around you, but go ahead and keep believing what. Yeah, you want. yeah, for sure. It's like just like oh, I know it's fairy tales. Nah, it's real. <laughs> right. It's like yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it, it part of the thing is also that it came after the ugly unicorn. And so anything is gonna look and better. Ceiling dreams <laughs> and beyond the fringe, and so I was just like, even if it only was like fine, it felt so much better. Yeah, yeah, that this is true. I wasn't going what again. Right, I was just <laughs> like, well, at least we have a competent storyteller that had like a clear idea and no rat tails. Right. <laughs> uh, there wasn't any dumb wallpaper. Yeah. So, <laughs> are we ready to move on? Yeah. Okay. Thank you. I just want this to be over. <laughs> Here we go. Unicorns of Kabbalistan. Anything I see like things of place, I always go to Werewolves of London. <laughs> I saw a unicorn outside Trader Vicks. His hair was perfect. <laughs> go look. Listen to Werewolves of London. It's a good song. That song was on my, when I was five, my whole family flew to Hawaii and my mom made me a mixtape and it had <laughs> that on it. It had uh, Foreigners Hot Blooded. Uh, it had Freak Out. I have a freak. question. I have so a question. She, yeah. Are you Star-Lord? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, Go ahead. unicorns like Kabbalistan. Okay, so a boy named Mikkel lives in a fictional war-torn country called Kabbalistan, which um, I, I would usually be all like, you coward, setting it into like a fake place. But after we had that China debacle, I was like, make up a place. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah, because like, <laughs> this is clearly supposed to be the Middle East, but okay. <laughs> Let's do this. Yeah. Well, because then at that point he doesn't have you don't have to worry about accidentally making any political statements about it. You can right. just be like, "This is just a thing that happens in an area where there's a lot of turmoil." And you can leave it at that. Right. Exactly. But it was coded to be Middle East. Right. But at least it was a safer choice than, than the China debacle. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway, Kabbalistan. Uh, his mother is worried for his safety and sends him to the mountains to live with her friend Omar. Omar looks a lot like Mikkel. Hmm. This isn't addressed any further in the text, so let's move on, shall we? Omar has a nice library and a glass ball with unicorns printed on it that makes Omar all shouty when Mikkel tries to touch it. Jeez. Guess he had cause for concern because next time Mikkel's alone with the ball, a psychic voice tells him to break it and he throws it on the ground. Okay, who else has that? Where you're just like, let's break it. Let's do it. And you're like, I can't. It's the same voice that tells you to throw yourself off a cliff. It's the call of the void. <laughs> You've read about that, right? That's an actual, that's, that's that, an, uh, yeah. that is a psychological thing that like, kind of like, your brain just does that to check in on itself and make sure it's still working properly is kind of what it does. So it will be like, I'm going to give you a horrible idea. Oh, you didn't do it? Cool. We're working properly. We know that that was dumb. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I get that. Like, I'll be like, I'll be like, you know, my mom will be driving you somewhere and I'll be like, 
Put your phone out the window. Yeah. I'm like, why? <laughs> yeah. But some people, I think their brains aren't working. Because I've seen a lot of TikToks where people do that with their phone, like in the like a like a grate in the ground. They're like, and they drop it. Like, oh, it's like, what did you think, think was going to happen? <laughs> you fucking idiot. You're supposed to resist that voice. Otherwise, you know how many fucking wooded hills I would have thrown myself down? <laughs> yeah, when we were at Donner Point. I'm like, do it. <laughs> I can't. Do it. Do you know how much my mom will freak out? Uh, freak out. <laughs> he was playing on Josh's tape the whole time. Do okay. It. Do it. Yeah, it's, it's Mike Rebigley in your head telling you to do it. <laughs> that hobo ain't my brother. Okay, anyway. So he smashes the ball and it turns out to be the right thing to do. But I was thinking like, don't. You're supposed to ignore that. Okay. Anyway, the unicorns are freed, and they run away. You'd think Omar would flip his shit when he finds out, but he's like, Oh my god, how? Because he'd been researching releasing the captive unicorns. Turns out the all hucking it at the ground method triumphs yet again. (laughs) So what now? Uh, Omar says they should follow the unicorns, and when they find them chilling outside, one of them lets Mikkel ride it, and they go soaring through the air, I guess assessing mankind. The unicorns are here to bring peace, but it looks like people aren't ready for that yet. So they come back to the mountains. The end, I guess. It felt clunky and weird. Yeah. Which I could say was kind of the theme for a lot of these stories. <laughs> it was clunky and weird. It felt very, like, last minute I need a unicorn story for this collection. Um... There's wallpaper. <laughs> yeah, it's like, uh, so we were, uh, do you want to work on this new anthology? Yeah, absolutely. I've got a bunch of short stories on, it's about unicorns. What? Um, I love those. I can totally do that. So there was a girl in China <laughs> who was pretty, but gross because she was blind. <laughs> just it's the worst improv session yes and yes like, and yeah, you're just like oh my god someone fucking block like i can't handle this <laughs> we need someone off stage with a sound effect to switch us out yeah like Ugh, we'll shake it up this is bad <laughs> um when it says break the glass i wrote drink the milk drink the milk yes okay that was the only thing i wrote in this whole story cool, let's move on <laughs> song for croaker norge which is just another like uh one for me yeah so okay after the death of her mother a girl named summer goes to live with her grandfather Wait, hold on what she's an orphan yeah and she interacts with unicorns kind of weird hmm. this has never happened before <laughs> <laughs> what quick pause this <laughs> we need some time to like decompress okay she goes to live with her grandfather in england and he's the croaker norge of the title uh, he and his friend Emma, I was confused. I thought Emma was the grandmother for a while. I'm like, oh, she's not. Because they're like, then Emma went home and went, oh, time out. Like, what? Right, yeah. So it wasn't explained immediately. So I was confused. I get confuzzled easily. Anyway, so he and his friend Emma, uh, coach Summer in singing, but there's one particular song that she struggles with. The song really means a lot to the grandfather, but she doesn't get it until she goes through her grandfather's secret leather notebook, which luckily wasn't, like, creepy, like, his self-insert porn story or something. (laughs) It's like, why does he want me to read this? Oh, Jesus Christ! (laughs) It's like that podcast my dad wrote a porno. Yes! Yeah, and so she sits down with her friends and just reads it out every episode, and they all go like, ah! 
you should go watch that watch that listen to that podcast it's amazing uh there's another podcast uh speaking of which uh called uh pounded in, in the butt by my own podcast <laughs> so there is there is a uh <laughs> there's a parody erotica writer uh named chuck tingle who writes stories about um erotic adventures with things like bigfoot and uh jet airliners and abstract concepts did he write the dinosaur ones yes the t- the, the tyrannosaurus ceo turned me gay yes that one? all of those are him um <laughs> and it's a podcast where uh different semi-famous people will do dramatic readings of his i might have to look this it's up. pretty great okay. i i've listened like at first i was like only listening to it like by myself like at <laughs> night at home then my mom came down and she no, heard it oh. and i was like do you want to sit and listen? It's actually pretty funny. And she's like, oh! <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they're all just like, I didn't know that I was gay. And then he was a really hot pirate ghost Bigfoot. And now I'm really gay and I like it. He put his, his hoo-hoo in my b-hole and it was like, yay. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's <laughs> like some my immortal level. He put his thingy in my you-know-what and we did it for the first time. It was great. Okay. All right. So the secret leather notebook. Not porn. He spent a lifetime collecting information on unicorns, and the summoning song is the very song her grandfather's been teaching her. Boy, she wishes she found porn. So, (laughs) horrified, she can't believe he's wasted his life hoping for something as unattainable as this. To prove a point, she sings the summoning song, but the unicorn doesn't come. Her grandfather's health takes a turn for the worst, and Summer wants to save him, so she attempts the song again, this time with a true heart as per the instructions. Because she just came at it from a bitchy angle, like, okay, asshole, watch. La la, la 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 la, and it didn't come. Because it's like, you're being an asshole right now. <laughs> okay, anyway, lo and behold, the unicorn appears, and then takes Summer's grandfather away since he's dying. The unicorn leaves behind a few strands of its mane to represent hope, so Summer won't ever give up on hope ever again. And I was thinking, like, cool, so she's orphaned a second time. This story sucks, but it, Emma says she's take, she'd take care of her. I don't know the legalities of that. <laughs> like, so what happens when your dying grandfather is carried away by a unicorn? <laughs> oh, your best, his best friend gets to look after you. <laughs> is that covered in the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, is section oh, yeah, four, yeah. article nine? I read, the, I read the leather notebook. That's what it said. Right after he fucked the unicorn. <laughs> Why is it written in crayon? <laughs> written in crayon. Her name is not Summer. It's Summoner. They named her Sumner, S-U-M-N-E-R, but when you were a child learning your name, your little lisping tongue could only manage Summer, and so we all called you. Boo. That, that's not how words work. I think, no. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I was getting frustrated with- And wouldn't she know by the time she was older what her name actually right. was? <laughs> And not all the stories are guilty of it, but there are enough that I pointed out how, like, these girls just talk like weird wide-eyed moppets even when they're, like, 13 or 14. They're just like, oh, grandpapa, you know? Whatever shall we do today? Shall we see the unicorn? Right. (laughs) You're like, like, oh my god. Right, and I'm like, excuse me. (laughs) Time out. What? What the fuck is? (laughs) There's a lot of F-bombs in this episode. Yeah. You're gonna have a ball. Cause, cause like the boy is like, all right, cool, let's go save my country from civil war and turmoil. And the girls are like, oh my, dearie, this is a dilly of a pickle. Yeah, I was hoping you'd save me because I didn't have anything <laughs> prepped. <laughs> so, do we have anything more to say about this one? I really just want this to be over. No. So, ready for the healing truth that you really liked, but I was like, eh. Okay, the healing truth by Catherine Lay. Um, a girl named Crystal 
is a huge liar until one day she finds a faded, ugly unicorn in the supply cabinet at school. The only way to heal him is to get others to believe in him. Once they believe, they'll see. But like I said, Crystal's a liar and no one believes her about <laughs> the unicorn because of course they don't. <laughs> With what little strength the unicorn has, he takes her to Unicorn Forest and she's so inspired by the beauty there that when she returns home, she starts building up good faith with everyone by telling the truth and admitting to her past lies. Uh, for Drama Club, she has to give a soliloquy, so she talks all about the unicorn and its need for belief. One by one, the kid starts seeing the unicorn, and he's restored to full health and power! That's basically it. Plus, we had a protagonist who's in a wheelchair, and we didn't, we haven't seen that yet, so it's like, We had a protagonist okay. in a wheelchair, and they don't make a big deal about it. Like, no, they, it, nobody it, tries to, like, wheel her places, uh, no. you know? They allude to the accident that put her in a wheelchair, but they don't, like... It's not really a huge plot point. Yeah. Right? It's just the, someone who exists who is yeah, in a wheelchair. There is actually cool. a part where... And no one says anything mean to her about being in a wheelchair. Yeah. So that was cool. Well, there's actually a part where... Um, felt more real. Where she's like, so the unicorn has chosen her to help make him basically real again by convincing other people. Um, and once he is at full strength he has healing properties and she's like can you make me walk again and he's like i'm sorry but that isn't the healing that you need yeah and i like that where it's yeah. like that's i mean i mean you need to cure your lying crap <laughs> that's the bad thing. yeah well yeah because it's like it's like you sure not walk. being able to walk is inconvenient but yeah you know you can still live a full life really but you can't but, if you're a liar like, and, isolating everybody yeah and so i liked that um i liked the <laughs> it opens up with um, she didn't know why she'd signed up for drama club, except that everyone kept telling her she was such a convincing liar she should use it for something. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I liked how sassy that was. Their first assignment in drama club is a five minute soliloquy. That's Do you know long. how long five that's minutes five, is? That's a really long five minutes is ages. an incredible amount of time it when be it's a just minute. you. It yeah. should be like a minute. Yeah. Maybe two. Yeah. We did um, not five. In high school we did we had to memorize a poem and perform it for our thing and it was like 200 words or something which is like 90 seconds tops yeah. and that was a big ask for a lot of people so like a five minute soliloquy i was like oh god yeah wow this is just for a club <laughs> yeah <laughs> like what the and and that's gonna take all day yeah but i like the fact that she goes around trying to like tell the truth and like it's not working because it's like it's not gonna be that simple it's not just like i lied to you about that and it's like oh okay cool I figured you did. Yeah, exactly. It's just like, we know that you're a compulsive yeah, liar if you so can stop. <laughs> um, but over the course of the story, she's finally able to start letting this guard down and be like, you know what? I don't even care anymore. This is who I am. This is what I do. This is the truth. And I don't know. Like, I... Well, her motivation for telling lies, what I felt was, um, I liked it because she talked about her accident where she used to ride horses and I think she was thrown from one and then that is yeah. what like put her in the wheelchair. Yeah. And before that, she won, like, awards and stuff, and she, like, opened with that, and people didn't believe her, I guess, because they saw her in a wheelchair, like, you, didn't, you don't ride horses. Right. And, like, you know there's times before this. Right. You know? Yeah. So she's just like, fuck it, I'm not gonna say it. Yeah. I tell them anything. You don't deserve truth. Yeah. This is how you're gonna react. Yeah. So, like, I, I liked the fact that I, I don't like that you're doing this, but I get why you're doing this. Yeah. And it totally... Which is why it needed to be healed, because it was coming from a place of hurt and bitterness. Yeah. Of people not believing yeah. her. So, like... There, there was some level of emotional depth to this story, which yeah. is, again, why I liked it more than a lot of the others. So That's why I said it is a, eh, what? Right, it's like, it's not, it's not, it's not bad. It's, it's not my favorite. Yeah. It's definitely not the worst. Yeah. 
So that was that was one of my selections for for the high up ones. So if you if you grab this and you're just like I'm gonna only read a handful of them, I would say give that one a shot. It won't work for everybody, but it it's probably in the top half. <laughs> you know. <laughs> right. Yes, I'll give it that. Okay, uh, Child of Fairy by Gail Kimberly. A girl named Afton is from Fairyland, but came to Earth out of curiosity. She came as a baby and had a family raise her for thirteen years. I don't know how she set this up. Did she ring the the bell herself? She rings the bell and then just starts de-aging. And she's like, hurry up, hurry up, they're almost here. (laughs) Uh, One day, her unicorn, Corindel, comes through a hole in space-time to tell her to come home. She drags her feet since her Earth family is going through a difficult time. Uh, Dad had a heart attack, and money's scarce since he can't work on their farm. So uh, Corindel says he'll be back the next day for her, so get yourself together. Uh, At home, Afton and her sister, Rebecca find out that their family is selling the farm and their old pony peg is getting put down. No one's going to buy a pony that's that old and sick yeah. and stuff. Um, all this sucks, but the peg thing particularly upsets the girls and they decide to spend the night with her in the barn before taking her at dawn to the moss maidens near some lake or whatever to take care of her. Later in the day, the parents have to go run errands and leave the kids at home. The mom gives Afton the biggest, most guilt-inducing speech I've ever heard about how much she means to the family, etc. And what would we do without you? It's like she knew this was going to happen. So it's like, thank you for not running off to fairyland while everything's shit. (laughs) Oh, God. So, of course, when Afton meets up with Corindel later, she tells him she's staying with her Earth family. Uh, Instead, he takes Peg to fairyland where she's instantly young again and able to run like she used to, which I kind of like. Corndell pledges to come back for Afton when her Earth family doesn't need her as badly. Spoiler alert, that all is going to need her. It doesn't say that she is a fairy child. It says it in the the title. It it says it in the title, (laughs) but I mean, it isn't explicitly stated in the prose of it. Yes, it is. Until the hold on until the second page. Okay. So in the like first paragraph, it it talks about eating the food from the moss beans. I was like, don't eat fairy food. Yeah. And then the next page is like when she grew up over there. I was like, oh, never mind. You good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's my note about how there are three kinds of stories and how they utilize unicorns. Yeah, I was really um, into this one. It, yeah, it was. Yeah. Eh. This was more than eh one. Like, it's not offensive, but it's just... Like, <laughs> I like how our sounds of this are like, it's like, eh, or eh, yeah. for most of them. Boo. <laughs> <laughs> okay, do you want to do The New Girl? Yes, I love this one. So it's The New Girl by Sean Stewart. Um, a small community has a unicorn penned up in, uh, to bless newborn babies and to bring good luck to their endeavors, that kind of thing. A lovely young girl named Polly usually comes to look after the unicorn... But one day, plain poor Meg comes instead. Shut up, Meg. The unicorn's <laughs> horrified, but Meg's here to stay. Polly's run off with a soldier. Oh, and BT Dub's unicorn, your poo smells like a horse's, so don't go all high and mighty. Because he was being yeah. really unnecessarily mean to her. Um, gradually, the two get used to one another. The unicorn talking about its days free in the mountains when it wasn't a pet. Meg longs to be away from her small podunk town to get out before she's too old and too frightened to make big changes. Uh, one night, Meg comes to the unicorn and explains that she has to stay to look after her mother, an alcoholic. She promises to leave one day, then leaves the gates of the paddock open so the unicorn can be free. And not a whole lot happens, but it's this is more like a story about like emotions and your like expectations of life. Yeah. And yeah, I I really enjoyed that, since a lot of these felt kind of skimpy and 
so I was like, let's have some emotional depth yeah. here. Yeah, exactly. And I thought it was a good one to close out on. Mm-hmm. And it's, it does a lot more than ones that are, because this is the, this is the shortest of the actual stories in this, and it manages to do more than, yeah, yeah, pound for pound, it's, it's, it's probably I, I the really, deepest. I really um, enjoyed it, yeah. Well, I'm wondering if I would have had, like, in a better anthology, maybe this would be one of the more, eh, stories, but. Right, it's just. But it, I don't know, I just, I liked it. Yeah. I really liked it. Um, I like, I really like their conversation at the end. So they've kind of come to realize that both, that they are both kind of hurting in these different ways because they're like, this isn't the life that I thought that I'd have for myself. Um, and so she, um, she heads out for the day and she leaves the padlock open and he's like, aren't you forgetting something? And she, and slowly Meg shook her head. I don't think so. Uh, and he's like, I don't want you to get in trouble. And she's like, I'm always in trouble. Yeah. And so he starts to leave and she's like will i ever see you again he's like do you want to she's like yeah even if it's only once even if it's not until i'm old and living in the city and about to die i want to see you again can i he's like i don't know she's like that's hard i can love too you know yeah and he just goes i know yeah that kicks me in the ass i really like that it was very Yes. Yeah. So that's very emotionally mature. I actually got shivers reading it aloud this time, so <laughs> <laughs> it made me tear up. So yeah. So that was uh, ended strong. I gave it two stars. Here was my uh, so I saw you give it two stars, and yeah. my theory, my theory is that for both of us, it was more of like a two point five star situation. So I gave it three. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Because I like averaged out my like personal scores. It's I, just when it was good, it was really good. And then it was... When it was bad, it was terrible. <laughs> can I so, can I just at least point out um, yeah. that in this book, I found the baking club, uh, members of the baking club here. For what, 2014? 2014, baking club 2014 is Alexandra, Moomal, Abigail, and Mega. Shout out so, to Mega. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to talk to Moomal. Like, what? <laughs> Moomal. Abigail. Abigail. And, and Mega. Mega. <laughs> and of course a girl would have a baking club who would have something as feminine as a unicorn collection of stories. <laughs> so yeah, that was the glory of unicorns. Um, I wouldn't call it a good front to back anthology. I'd say it has a few solid ones. And um, the longest one was less than 30 pages um, and they're fairly generous pages, so. It, they're all pretty quick reads if you want yeah. to try a few of them. Um, Look, this book is less than a hundred, uh, less than two hundred. Yep. Sorry um, about my voice this episode. It's I'm sorry this had to be such a Mara heavy one when I'm like having such a cold <laughs> situation here. Oh, I was hoping you'd give a biography for the uh, the artist Alex Berenzi. Yeah. Um. Props to the illustrations. Uh, it's worth picking up to at least flip through to look at the drawings. Yeah. There's some really cool ones. I bet with either the color or at least um, a better distinction between the lights and the darks on, like, higher quality paper, they'd be, like, really extra good. Um, Yeah, so there we go. Editor insert here. I checked with Mara, and it looks like we are going to be doing To All the Boys I've Loved Before by Jenny Han. I had forgotten we'd agreed on this, but it works out fine because I wanted to do a cheesy romance anyways. So there we go. Hello Fellow Kids is hosted by Mara and Josh, produced by Josh, music provided by Ben Ash. Visit him at benash.com. If you'd like to contact us, please do so. hfkpodcast at gmail.com. 
Twitter, Instagram, at HFK Podcast. Uh, we are on everything but Spotify at the moment. We're not on Google Play either. We aren't? I was told that by somebody who went looking for our podcast that we're not on Google Play, but we're on everything else. Well, poop. Poop. <laughs> we're on some things. If you found <laughs> you us, you found it. You're we're there. To it. What do we need to tell you for? Um, <laughs> Sorry. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening. Bye.